Welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everybody. So today, we're going through the last week of spoilers from War of the Spark. We've got a ton of new cards, including a bunch of legendary creatures. So we're going to start off with those legends, go into some of the new planeswalkers that are relevant to Commander, and then go into all the other card types in color order. So we have got a lot to get through. We're going to try to keep the episode as short as we can. Yeah, this is a... this was the first week, and yeah. we got like 60-ish cards. We're not going to talk about all of those, but just something nuts, like a lot of spoilers. Yeah, the new strategy of spoiling things at all rarities has led to a lot more cards coming out. Like Even stuff like vanilla creatures that would yeah. normally, <laughs> you'd just see it on the, the very last day of spoils when they give you the full spoiler. But now they're really spreading things out more, and it... It's good. Gives you like a lot more mm-hmm. to talk about as opposed like over the course of spoiler season as opposed to here's yeah. a big lump. Just want to briefly mention that Commander Theory has a Patreon page, which means that all of you listeners can directly support the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see, get a shout out in the show's credits. You can suggest questions for us to answer live on the air. And if you're willing to give a little bit more, you can hang out with us, uh, get one-on-one deck advice. You can also get access to our Discord server. So there's a lot of potential rewards out there, and you can find the the tier that's right for you. So check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base and invest some more time and money in the podcast, get a better product for you, and it costs you nothing. So uh, yeah. support the show. Yeah, Thanks. thank you, guys. Okay. Uh, let's start with Tomic Distinguished Advocate. This is White White for a 2-3 legendary human advisor. It has flying, lands on the battlefield, and land cards in graveyards. Can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponents control. And... Your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. Someone on Reddit mentioned that like a new player would look at this card and have no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course they can't play <laughs> land cards from graveyards. And like, how would the lands get there anyway? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what are you, what are your thoughts on this card? Yeah, I. It's so weird. They've kind of hinted that this is a plug for the future, but I think currently, just as a commander, he just doesn't he doesn't do anything mm-hmm. like uh unless your meta is like titania and, and lord Wingrace, yeah, lord Wingrace, and all these there's really not a reason to run this guy <laughs> yeah i'm i'm not a fan of commanders that like solely care about what your opponents are doing because in in the most cases it just means that your deck is not going to have any yeah. any direction. Like you're not going to have any way to build around it if it's just focused on what your opponents on stopping what your opponents are doing, as opposed to rewarding you for taking some kind of action. Um, so not a huge fan of this guy. Yeah, we'll see what the future holds for him. I, I doubt he's going to be commander material, but yeah, Melissa Detora on Twitter, she was saying that he we don't have like all the information we need in order to evaluate him, and part of it is the fact that he's legendary. Which yeah. I don't fully. <laughs> yeah, cryptic. Yeah, know what that means. Yeah, but the next guy, uh, fan favorite, finally here. This is Fibblethip the Lost. So this guy is a one-one homunculus for one and a blue. 
When Fibblethip enters the battlefield, draw a card. If it entered from your library or was cast from your library, draw two cards instead. When Fibblethip becomes the target of a spell, shuffle him into your library. That yeah. <laughs> it's a kind of an enigma. There's a lot to say about this. Yeah. And some of it's more community based than card based, but I think the best piece of tech I think we've seen so far is Proteus Staff because if Fibblethip is the only creature in your deck then you put him on the bottom flip through your entire deck get him back again get to stack your library however you like and then get his draw trigger Mm -hmm. so some people have been talking about using that as just a way to automatically set up two card combos yeah you get both your library in whatever order you want, and then you get both of the pieces into your hand at the end of it. What are your thoughts on that strategy? Well, uh, I think, I mean, the first thing, do we want to talk about tech, or do you want me to talk about the skeptical <laughs> skepticism? Because <laughs> I, I think the, the first thing before we get into tech is just that I don't think that strategy is necessarily that significant. Mm-hmm. And me and Nick have talked about this off mic, but this strategy has technically existed for a long time. Yeah. Because Mono Blue, Proteus Staff, no creatures could have been a thing for years now. Even any blue commander doesn't need mm-hmm. to be Mono Blue. Yeah, yeah, any, yeah, exactly. Any blue commander. So there's probably a commander where this was better for mm-hmm. a long time that we just haven't looked at. And even in Mono Blue, like Azami, Lady of Scrolls, or uh, Arkham Dagsum, we've talked about, like, kind of does the same thing thing yeah like the sole benefit of running fibblethip is like the two cards at the end of it but like it's not like blue was starved for card draw <laughs> yeah like that is not the the stumbling block really the stumbling block to doing the proteus staff thing is just finding the proteus staff yeah and there's other commanders that either naturally do it themselves like arkham dagson mm-hmm. or that give you access to colors that make it easier to tutor it out like if For you're sure. in black blue then you get access to all the blacks tutors mm-hmm. so it doesn't seem particularly good when like any number of spells could give you that draw to at the end yeah. of it that yeah. you're using fibblethip for it's really strange but there is some tech like some two card tech if you're interested in that mm-hmm so, I mean, the, the first one is Isochron Scepter, Dramatic Reversal, two cards. So Isochron Scepter is a two-cost artifact with imprint. You can imprint a, an instant with two cost or less from your hand, pay two um, to activate it, and cast a copy of that instant, basically. And then the, the second half of that is Dramatic Reversal, which is one in the blue for an instant, untap all non-land permanents you control. Yeah. So the idea is that if you have any mana rocks or any other non-land permanents that tap for mana, then you can use those two in conjunction to untap all your mana rocks, untap the scepter, and then you're exactly where you started, except you may have netted mana. And you'll also untap the staff in this, in this mm-hmm. scenario. So you can keep netting mana that way, and then you can keep Proteus staffing your Fibblethip that way, drawing more cards, just <laughs> digging through your deck until you get like your actual win condition, which is just some way to win with infinite mana and infinite storm. Again, this tech has existed previous to this. Yeah. So it's not... Th- I think just the fact that people were trying to break this kind of revealed it, but... I don't know. I don't think he's going to have too big of an impact. So the the thing about the Isochron Scepter Dramatic Reversal is that it does require some setup. It's not yeah. entire. It's not like a pure two card combo. Yeah, yeah. Because you do need to have at least three mana worth of non land permanents that tap for mana. 
I kind of like the idea of this is a bit more expensive, but it it's something you can do on an empty board. Yeah, is just using Nexus of Fate because yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're Proteus staffing every single turn, then you can stack the Nexus of Fate to the top every turn, so you just take infinite turns. Although that one like has a setup cost of ten mana, so yeah. <laughs> it can be a little harder to pull off. All right, I, th- I think we got to move on because there are there's a ton of things, dozens yeah. of cards that we're yeah, covering we, today. We don't quite have as much to say about all the cards, but um, the next one is also a fan favorite. So this is Massacre Girl. People have been asking for <laughs> for years. Mm-hmm. So Massacre Girl is a four four human assassin for three black black. So five CMC. She has menace. And when Massacre Girl enters the battlefield, each other creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than Massacre Girl gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. So if you've ever played with Last Laugh, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a really good indicator of like what this card is likely to do when it enters the battlefield. So Last Laugh is an enchantment, I believe, 2BB. When a permanent other than Last Laugh is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, Last Laugh deals one damage to each creature and each player, and then when no creatures are on the battlefield, sacrifice Last Laugh. Assuming there's like a one toughness creature on the board, like then that dies, then everything else gets minus two, minus two, then if a two toughness creature dies, they just stack up, and it's pretty likely to wipe the board. We were just talking about this, we were playing some games with friends last night, And one of our friends was playing a Slimefoot deck. Yeah. <laughs> and so throughout the game, I was just like keeping an eye on it. And it's like, yep, Massacre Girl would wipe the board here. Massacre mm-hmm. Girl would wipe the board again. Uh, so it seems like in most games, if there's like anyone playing tokens, it's pretty easy to set off a chain reaction. And then it's probably also worthwhile just to run a couple things of your own that you don't mind dying, like yeah. a Bloodgast or a Reassembling Skeleton. Yeah, I think especially at... If you can find some at two mana or two toughness, mm-hmm. I think that's the the crux because there's a lot of commanders that are like three threes or two threes or something like that. I think if you can jump the hurdle, mm-hmm. then that's the important one. <laughs> yeah. I also saw somebody talking about uh, Forbidden Orchard as a way yeah. to just get one toughness creature on the board. That seems, that, that's a little cute. I, I, I like that. I think it's cute and cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some other tech for this, uh, for, for her. Blink effects are very good. And then a suite of cards that kind of all do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of worded a little bit differently, but they're all one mana uh, black spells that do this. So there's Undying Evil, one black instant target creature gains Undying until end of turn. Kaya's Ghost Form, which is going to be in this set. It is a one black aura uh, enchant creature or planeswalker uh, when that creature would die. It returns to the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Abnormal Endurance, which is one... That one is one black? It's one and a black. Okay, one and a black. And it pumps and then does the same thing. It returns the creature when it dies. And then Supernatural Stamina, which is one black. Mm -hmm. It does the same thing. It pumps power. And then when the creature dies, it brings it back. So, yeah, with an ETB commander like this, you want ways to reuse her ability. And these are, like, some of the cheapest ways to do it. Because it's it's not that hard to, to get her to die, after she does her thing, you can run stack outlets of your own, like High Market, Phyrexian Tower. It may also be worthwhile to just run other types of stack outlets, things like Skull Clamp or Attrition, yeah. just so that you can get her triggers. Even if you can't like snowball, you can sort of help things along yeah. <laughs> by sacking stuff. So those kinds of things will work well with Massacre Worm, uh, Massacre, <laughs> Massacre Worm, <laughs> uh, Massacre Girl, sacking her, returning her with one of these little combat tricks getting mm-hmm. her, her trigger all over again i do actually now that you say that i think it is 
interesting that the massacre cards do this. Mm-hmm. This seems to be a, a massacre theme. <laughs> minus one, minus one, or minus X, minus X. Yeah. So I think she's a an, another one of the many mono black uh, control. control commanders. Yeah. 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 There's a friend joke in our meta where we have a friend who's gonna make every mono black commander, but he, every deck is he gonna has made it. Oh, yes, made it. Yeah. But the deck is just full of every other mono black legend. <laughs> yeah, I've actually I've seen him play it, and the way oh he God. decides uh, what his commander is is at the very beginning of the game, he just flips cards from the top of his library until he hits a legendary <laughs> creature, and it's like, that's my commander for the game. <laughs> but it's, oh, God, and the deck is fine. Like, the deck totally works. It's uh, yeah, so funny. I mean, it's kind of, it's the joke is like all yeah. mono black control commanders are kind of the same. They're pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. So I'm sure she's going to get added to that lineup. Oh yeah. She'd probably, probably be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, next card. Do you want to, don't want to read this guy off? Sure. Uh, this is Krenko Tin street Kingpin. He's two and a red for a one, two legendary goblin. Whenever he attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on him, then create a number of one, one red goblin creature tokens equal to Krenko's power. So first time he attacks, he gets a counter, you get two goblins, then three, then four, etc. I've played a Krenko mob boss deck, and mm-hmm. I think that that's probably a good point of comparison for looking at this. He definitely doesn't have the, the potential for exponential growth in the same way yeah. that Krenko that <laughs> 1.0 does, but... He seems like more fair, and there's mm-hmm. the tech suite is a little bit different. Yeah, that is definitely true. Yeah, like you're not running nearly as many of your own token producers because they don't actually help with this Krenko's ability. You're going to be focusing a lot more on stuff like temporary power boosting, like a, a bloodlust or a fist of the oh, anvil yeah. type thing. Just make it so that turn four, you get six guys, yeah. <laughs> and then you can you know, figure out how to win from there. Mm-hmm. I do like the, one of the things they've been doing with Mono Red, which is finding ways to take the really typically bad Mono Red instant and sorceries that they put into every set and mm-hmm. like kind of make them playable. So like Zada did that, obviously, but Krenko is also kind of doing every, every, it feels like every set there's like a plus three plus zero and first strike in Mono Red. Mm-hmm. And that's usually not good. But when it gives you four tokens. Yeah, no, I'll definitely run like Brute Force. Yeah. <laughs> uh Titan Strength, those kinds of cards mm-hmm. seem seem great in this list. Yeah, it's a good good mana cost uh, power ratio. Yeah. And of course there's like a, an opportunity to run this a little bit more Voltron cuz mm-hmm. like he wants you to pump his power anyway. So you get an option kind of depending on what you draw of do I want to just win with tokens or yeah. do I want to just try to beat in for 21? Yeah, this is a, if you've ever seen a Tana, the blood sower, she's two, two trample, uh, two red, green. And she, whenever she's a partner commander and she makes sapperlings whenever she hits. So typically two, but you pump her a lot of the time. This is going to play like that without the green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very similarly. But it, I mean, I think that this restriction is fun on this guy. The fact that he's red and he costs less and goblins have more synergies. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind when Wizards makes slightly lower powered versions of commanders that are a little bit over the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it so that people can enjoy these strategies without everyone at the table groaning yeah yeah for sure i definitely do like the new cranko uh all right the next commander another interesting mono red remake yeah thank you thank you watsi neheb dreadhorde champion is two red red for a five four legendary zombie minotaur warrior another cramped type line on this guy (laughs) 
Uh, he's got Trample, and whenever Neheb deals combat damage to a player or Planeswalker, you may discard any number of cards. If you do, draw that many cards and add that much red. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. I think that's new wording. You don't lose this mana yeah, as I... opposed to it doesn't like empty from your mana pool. I think yeah. we just really want to remove any reference to mana pool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what, what do you think of this card? I think this guy's awesome. I think that uh, this is obviously different than Old Neheb. Mm-hmm. Um, Old Neheb was very much incentivized earthquakes and mass damage spells and stuff. This guy is, he's got a little bit more combo potential. He lets you see more of your deck. He kind of keeps like cards flowing. I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think he's got a lot of interesting like lines of play that you can take. I've played with the original Neheb for a while. And one thing that was a little frustrating was well, you kind of ran out of gas. Yeah. Like you had so much mana. It was a fountain of mana, but... <laughs> Red just doesn't have a lot of ways to like refill its hand mm-hmm. once you have that 10, 15 mana, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I like that this Neheb helps you dig through your deck and find ways to spend your mana. There's a lot of cool things going on here, really. Yeah. Like, for one thing, you can do things like maybe run a little higher than average land count because mm-hmm. you just really don't want to get mana screwed and then any additional lands you draw after that are just really easy fodder like for okay yeah, toss these toss get new stuff other like semi-situational cards like haste granters are really really important before neheb hits but afterwards they're kind of dead so they're also great things to discard to him mm-hmm. it's great that it rewards a bunch of situational cards because you get so much filtering and later on they just don't matter yeah there is a fair amount of overlap between this and the first Neheb because you are going to be running all those extra combat steps. Most of them are going to be free yeah. with, with this guy because you are you probably are discarding most of your hand yeah. every time you connect. And so that'll pay for a four or five mana extra combat step effect. And of course, the, the best of them is going to be Aggravated Assault, which yeah. is two and a red for an enchantment. You can pay three red red to untap all creatures that attack this turn and give yourself an additional combat phase. So with Neheb and Aggravated Assault, assuming you have five cards to discard, you can just get infinite attack steps. Mm-hmm. And, and so obviously you'll, you'll combo off, get infinite <laughs> damage potentially. And then you can also, you probably want to toss like maybe one Eldrazi in your yeah, deck just yeah. to make sure that there's no danger of well, milling you yourself out. You only need one. Yeah. You only need one. So I think it's it's cool. It's also great that you can run mass land destruction really easily because he's like yeah. your own mana source. He's all you really need. So you can run the Ruination, the Thoughts of Ruin, a couple mm-hmm. other mono-red ma- mass land destruction cards. A cool deck. It's He's pretty interesting. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know we've got a lot to cover today, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I liked Neheb a lot. I like this design. I've built a deck already and gotten some some goldfishes in just right. to get a sense of it. <laughs> the last thing I want to say before we move on is just I really, really wish there were more good Madness cards. Oh, yeah. No, that's totally true. Like, they were really, really scared with them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they, like, dialed back the power level because it seemed like none of them in shadows block really made an impact on uh any format yeah but it's just such a shame like when they would be so perfect in this deck and the only two that are really worth running at all is like maybe fiery temper maybe like (laughs) avison's judgment and that's it yeah it's so sad you don't want like a four three haste yeah like that's not that's not really worth (laughs) it (laughs) next card would you like to read this one oh yeah so i love this 
character, and I am somewhat indifferent to the card, but this is Mawu, Loyal Companion. He is a 3-3 hound for 3 and a green with Trample and Vigilance. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on Mawu, put that many plus one counter on it instead. So uh, put one counter, you get two counters. Put three counters, you get four counters. You get a little bit more bang for your buck when you put counters on him. So this deck is not really adding anything new to the format. Mm -hmm. It is a Voltron deck, but it does get to use an interesting subset of cards. So Ordeal of Nylia, if you remember the Ordeal cycle, they are all two mana auras. This is one in a green. Whenever the creature attacked, it put a plus one plus one counter on it. And then when it attacked and had three plus one plus one counters on it, you sacked it and got two lands. Mm -hmm. So like stuff like that, there's an Ancient Animist, which was an instant from Dominaria. One in a green target creature you control fights another creature. If it's legendary, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Implement of Ferocity. <laughs> remember that that all-star from... Kaladesh Kaladesh yeah. <laughs> so it was one to play, green to pop, and you you pop it and it puts a counter on something and when it dies you draw a card. Yeah, so it's like card neutral. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a ton of these like kind of really cheap ways to put counters onto him mm -hmm. and benefit in other ways, and he just gets really swole real fast. The muscle yeah. dog. Yeah, there's also a couple good repeatable counter generating effects. Mm -hmm. So you've got cards like Retreat to Kazandu, which is two and a green for an enchantment landfall put a plus one plus one counter on target creature so if you've got a mana base with say fetches or even just like evolving milds terramorphic myriad landscape yeah. just a a deck that's like built to maximize landfall triggers then you can get him really big really quickly <laughs> armory of Erewis is just two cost equipment equipped for two whenever equipped creature attacks put a plus one plus one counter on it so that's a decent source of counters and then I also like um, Invigorating Boon, which is an enchantment for one in a green. Whenever a player cycles a card, you may put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. So between like the th the three or four blocks we've had with cycling, there's actually a decent number of cycling cards that are kind of just free to run in your deck at this point. You've got like the Urza Saga cycling lands, yeah. <laughs> the Onslaught cycling lands, the cycling deserts from um, Amonkhet, You've got some like ramp cards that have cycling. Mm -hmm. So there's like a critical mass of, of cycling cards that just don't really cost you anything to run and can trigger cards like an Invigorating Boon. There's also a, a small suite of lands that you might want to play. So Orin Reef the Vastwood, it enters tapped, it taps for a green, and it also has tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on each green creature that entered the battlefield this turn. There's the classic Forge of Heroes, came out not too long ago. Um, it's a colorless land, it taps to add a colorless, and it also has tap, a choose target commander that entered the battlefield this turn. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it if it's a creature, and a loyalty counter if it's a planeswalker. Strange wording, but it does what you want. And then uh, Opal Palace, so that's been around for a while. It taps for a colorless, and you can pay one and tap it to filter a mana of your commander's colors and put a plus one, plus one counter on it for each time you've cast it. So uh, late game, if you can pay for it, it's a lot. It's a decent amount of counters. So those are all kind of free slots to put some plus one, plus one counters in. Just want to briefly touch on this. Oh, yeah, story beats. Yeah. Um, so Mark Rosewater mentioned on Blogatog that Jiang Yangu, mm -hmm. which is the mono-green planeswalker associated with Moo, so Jiang, his planeswalker power is to bring Moe with him yeah. when he planeswalks to other planes. So most characters, when they bring creatures with them, when like 
Watley makes a dinosaur token. She's just summoning it, which is a completely different process from like having the creature planeswalk. Yeah, with you. Yeah. So some people are like, what's up with that? That's like really inconsistent. <laughs> I thought that if you're not a planeswalker in Eldrazi, you're just not supposed to be able to get between planes. And I actually have a headcanon for this. I think there's like nothing special about Mowu. I think it's just that Jiang has the unique planeswalker power to bring non-planeswalkers between planes, mm-hmm. and he just hasn't tried it with anyone but Mo'u. Yeah, I don't think he will until Mo'u sadly passes, which will never happen. <laughs> but that would just be like, that would, if that was the case, it would have a lot of impl- like interesting story implications mm-hmm. and would like make Jiang a lot more interesting as a character as opposed <laughs> to like boy with dog. Yeah, which is as great a trope as it is, uh, not super important to story beats. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, this next guy is awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, this guy, uh, so this is Tulsimir, friend to wolves. So he is a 3-3 three, three elf scout for two green, green, white. So five mana total. He has, whenever Tulsimir enters the battlefield, create Voha, friend to elves, a legendary 3-3 three, three green and white wolf creature token. He also has, whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. So, man, (laughs) (laughs) if you can get enough wolves on the battlefield at once, you can basically just, like, make your own Azuri's Predation. So, that card is uh, eight mana. It's five green, green, green. Make a 4-4 beast for each creature you don't control on the battlefield. Each one of those four fours fights one of those creatures. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good card. And Tulsimir kind of turns a lot of these cards that were kind of like fun, but maybe not super powerful into like interesting cards. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And especially if you can run some of the, the mass pump effects available in these oh, colors, yeah. you're on color for Collective Blessing. You're on color for Dictative Heliod run beastmaster ascension yeah all of which just listeners you don't need to know specifics they just pump power they they just like make your guys big yeah and at a good rate (laughs) (laughs) so there's a a decent number of wolves that are worth running i don't think it's worth running just random vanilla wolves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there's some that like draw you cards so like scala wolf when it enters it's from m19 three green green three three when it enters the battlefield, look at the top five cards of your library and then reveal a green card from among them and put it into your hand. Yeah, makes uh, it worth it. Yeah. Also, there's like Rot Wolf, which is two and a green for two, two, Wolf with Infect. And then whenever a creature dealt damage by Rot Wolf dies, draw a card. So just three mana, maybe kill some yeah. utility creature, draw a card. It's kind of what this deck is trying to do. Yeah, it's pretty, it turns a lot of these like interesting cards into good cards which is pretty cool so like you get wolf callers howl which was kind of just a card people played a lot of the time Mm -hmm. now is like actually awesome so wolf callers howl is a four mana enchantment Mm -hmm. it's three and a green and at the end of your turn you get a two two wolf for each player each opponent with four Four more more cards cards in there it's at the beginning of your upkeep oh okay but yeah so you you get a bunch of wolves and that's consistent wolf that's consistent life gain that's consistent fight triggers Mm -hmm. 
It's pretty interesting. There, there's a bunch of these just get a wolf cards that they printed over the years that now are kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah. Tulsimir's Dogpile definitely seems like a pretty cool deck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like that they named Voja differently than the first time around yeah. so that they won't legend rule each other. That's yeah. a cute little attention to detail. Yeah. I also just like that they're friends. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. But I think moving on, do you yeah. want to read this next guy? Sure. This next guy is pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. Storev, Devkarin Lich. It's one black, black, green for a legendary zombie elf wizard. It has trample and whenever Storev deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, return to your hand, target creature or planeswalker in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. <laughs> so it's 5-4 trample, so it can get in pretty easily and, mm-hmm. and for only four mana it comes down pretty early yeah that's a pretty good ratio there mm-hmm. and i think this is an in- interesting commander w- what are your thoughts yeah i actually agree with that i think that they just keep making green black commanders that are pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> and this kind of fits into that category i don't think it's doing anything different than a green black deck previously might have been doing but I think it's doing it in a different way. And the fact that it gets back Planeswalkers is is a little bit interesting because there's certain ones. So like, um, the, I mean, Soren 1.0, obviously, uh, to the uh, the sadness of many a commander <laughs> player, is pretty good, uh, dies pretty often. And when you get it back with this guy, tending multiple people <laughs> is a pretty good thing to do. Vraska 1.0, blowing up a bunch of stuff. She yeah. dies uh pretty often <laughs> kind of makes her worth it too so i think that's i think that's an interesting thing that black green hasn't really been able to do yet yeah i uh i think that if it didn't have the ability to recur planeswalkers it'd just kind of be like a worse version of Marin. yeah but as it stands there's just a lot more you can do with this card because there's a solid number of uh powerful planeswalkers in these colors especially mm-hmm. when you consider the fact that like you can recur them easily so it kind of doesn't matter if your Vraska or your Soren gets killed immediately. Because, yeah. like, in some cases, it's better for it to just be killed and you get it back with Storiv and cast it again than to have to, like, try to tick up back to its starting yeah. loyalty levels. So I, uh, I like, built a list. I did a little bit of playtesting. It seems, like, very powerful yeah. um, and resilient. The, mm-hmm. only, the only, like, weak point is, like, Storiv, him or herself. I can't... Yeah. But uh, there's there's always the danger of like everyone's gonna have blockers or it, someone has removal for it, and because that's really the engine your deck is built around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do. Before we, we move on, I just want to mention a couple cards that I think are going to be pretty sweet in it. So you definitely want some haste granters like Greaves, Hall the Bandit Lord, and there are some Voltrani type cards you might want to consider running. Yeah, yeah. There's just a few of them that will probably be pretty good. Also, like this guy just by nature of like his stat block and mana cost and type line has access to some mana dorks that normally aren't good enough to run. So for example, whisperer of the wild is one in a green for a zero two. it taps for green mana. And then if you have a creature with power of four or greater, it taps for green, green. So you can play it on turn two, get, your store of out on turn three and then on turn four you have access to six mana which yeah. is pretty solid that's pretty good same with priest of titania because store is an elf you can use it to accelerate store of one turn earlier 
and then have an extra mana the turn following that because mm-hmm. of his creature type. So interesting. It's it's uh yeah, I kinda wanna see how this ends up playing out in the format. But I think we're gonna move on to the planeswalkers that were spoiled now. Yes. Uh, we're not going to touch on all of them, but just the ones that we think have an, an easy place in Commander or oh, yeah. good enough for the format. Uh, you want to go ahead and start with the first yeah. one? Heck yeah. Uh, so this is White Planeswalker, Teo the Shield Mage. A new character, um, he costs three, uh, two and a white, has five loyalty. Um, the static ability, you have Hexproof, and minus two, create a zero three white wall creature token with Defender. So this is probably gonna see a little bit of play in like defender decks so primarily like arcades draws you a few cards kind of a nice curve because you can curve into arcades in that deck it's not too much going on here though yeah it's nice that like you can play teo first Mm -hmm. and then sort of sandbag the defender tokens for next turn when arcades comes in because normally like you always feel really bad in an arcades deck if you're running like a an overgrown battlement or something <laughs> where you want to be able to accelerate into your commander, but you know that you're just going to lose out on cards by doing so. Yeah, you want to draw a card. So this way you get to make use of that early game mana. Mm-hmm. I also think something to note with a lot of these uncommon commanders, because we're going to talk about another one real quick here, is that you don't, like, with most commanders, you're missing out if you're not using an ability every turn. Mm-hmm. These ones, I, I think there are times when it's correct to just not so, like, in this case with Arcades, like, you play this guy in turn three. Cool, I have Hexproof. You play Arcades. Oh, I draw a card immediately. Like, that's a lot better than just, like, getting a 0-3. Because more likely than not, you had a two-drop in yeah. Arcades. Most of those walls are two-drops. <laughs> so, stuff like that. Uh, I, I think that you aren't necessarily missing out when you wait to do the minus abilities on these uncommon planeswalkers. Mm. Uh, For instance, the next one. So this is Kiora, Behemoth Beckoner. It's two hybrid green-blue, so three mana for a seven loyalty planeswalker, Kiora. Whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. She also has minus one untapped target permanent. Yeah. So, uh, whereas with Teo, like, the power seemed to be loaded more on the loyalty ability, this Mm -hmm. one is way more about the static effect. Yep. And although there's currently no blue-green commander that really rewards lots of large dudes, I'm hopeful we might see something in the future, especially, like, if we go back to Tarkir and have some more teamer cards, maybe. I'm just, I wanted to bring this card up because it feels like we're getting really close to a critical mass of this type of effect. We've got Kiora, we've got Teamer Ascendancy, which... Which has the same trigger. All these cards more or less have the same trigger. Yeah. So you draw a card when a big guy enters. Yeah, Garak's Pack Leader, Kavu Lair, Elemental Bond. It's getting to the point where we're getting towards a critical mass that a deck could build around and just like chain large guys into each other and draw a ton of cards. And that that's exciting because I've kind of had a lot of these cards sitting in my binder for a long time just kind of staring at them yeah longingly. i really want to make use of them and maybe <laughs> someday soon we'll we'll get an opportunity yeah so this next guy is soren vengeful blood lord for loyalty to white black to play for cmc static ability is as long as it's your turn creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink that's pretty cute because his plus two is deal one damage to target player or planeswalker and then he has minus X, return target creature card with CMC X from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a vampire in addition to its other types. That's kind of more flavor, I feel like, than anything. 
but yeah i have kind of two deck building processes one is like i like the commander and one is like i have a thing and i try to find a commander mm-hmm. one of them i have right now is is a black white deck that uses one drop so i'm like can i make one drops good in commander uh, it turns out timna does that really well <laughs> mm. but this kind of that was the my initial thought when i saw this was it's a one it's a white black card that reanimates little guys really well because if you're playing this and you're spending four and popping them immediately and getting a four drop like you could just do that with zombify mm-hmm. like you could do that with some other card but i think the power in this card comes when you can do it multiple times that said there's just better tech for that too right now mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm not super high on him yeah this is one of the the many planeswalkers in the set that really would have benefited from like being an actual commander <laughs> and, and we'll touch on that a bit more at the end of this show but i think that as a card in the main deck there's just so many other cards you could be running over it oh yeah it's only if it were in your command slot and you could really build your deck around it that that the potential of getting you know kami of false hope yeah. four turns in a row something <laughs> like that it really becomes quite powerful yeah for sure so the, it's it's kind of sad the next guy I, I think me and nick are both also very sad about yeah so this is teferi time raveler do you want to read him sure he is one blue white for a four loyalty planeswalker teferi each opponent can cast spells only anytime they could cast a sorcery plus one until your next turn you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash and minus three return up to one target artifact creature or enchantment to its owner's hand draw a card so I don't think the plus one is super relevant. No. <laughs> There's not that many decks that are trying to cast sorcery spells as flash. Well, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that the a lot of the power comes in a static ability. Uh, just the, the fact that you prevent instant speed shenanigans from happening. And then obviously his minus three is is what it is so hypersonic dragon from return to ravnica hasn't really made waves it's a 4-4 flying haste that does the same thing yeah it didn't really make too many waves (laughs) yeah i think that i agree with you that the static effect is probably the most exciting part of this card just Mm -hmm. like being immune to counter spells yeah and forcing people to play their removal on their own turns is really nice just stopping interaction on your turn Mm -hmm. so but I think that if you're trying to prevent that, there are better ways to do that. Yeah. Like you're on color for Grand Abolisher, which is like cheaper, easier to recur, <laughs> can't be attacked to death, that kind of thing. So, yeah, kind of sad. But the next one, uh, we got Vivian, Champion of the Wilds. She is two and a green, so three CMC for a four loyalty planeswalker. She has, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. Then plus one until your next turn, up to one target creature gains vigilance and reach. I just think that's cute. And then minus two, look at the top three cards of your library. Exile one face down and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. For as long as it remains exiled, you may look at that card and you may cast it if it's a creature. So uh, what do you want to say about this card? So I don't think it's uh, great in Commander. (laughs) I think that like... If you just want the static effect, that there are better ways to achieve it. Like Vidalcan Orrery exists, Yeva Nature's Herald exists, yeah. and those can't get attacked to death. Yeah. <laughs> the plus one is also just not worthwhile in mm-hmm. Commander. It's not something you want to spend a card doing. The minus two, it's interesting. I like that this is kind of an evolution of that ability that yeah. we've seen on like a dozen or more 
green planeswalker so far <laughs> of just kind of like commune with naturing. But in this case, you actually get to keep the surprise factor, which mm-hmm. is nice, especially with the flash that she grants. That's it's cute. It's cool. Yeah, it's, it's a cool way to do that. I would definitely like to see like that line of text or or these lines of text more often in the future. Yeah. So just wanted to pointed out as like a notable design innovation yeah i I feel like with a lot of these because we're going to move on from planeswalkers now i think i think a lot of these planeswalkers they kind of put they try to put the power in the fact that you get this effect for cheaper than you've had it before Mm -hmm. with the downside being they can be attacked to death so i i think my my guess is because play design's been doing a pretty good job is that these are pretty well balanced for like standard but again, like a lot of these just I don't think they hold up in Commander where there's so much more powerful options mm-hmm. just available to you. So that's I mean, it's sad because like hopefully there were some Planeswalkers that we we're going to want to play. And I, I think there are we I mean, we talked about Liliana last week is kind of niche card that you might want to play stuff like that. But I can't wait to see the new Ugin and see yeah, if he holds up to the last one for sure. So I think that these cards will be fine. Mm-hmm. that's kind of like none of them have wowed me and none of them have made me go like disgusting well i actually i do say that but i, I then i kind of come around and be like okay it's it's whatever yeah i just want because i want more the, the funny thing is i think that in addition to just running these as your commander if they had allowed planeswalkers as commanders mm-hmm. um they'd just be better by virtue of the fact that if more p- people are running planeswalkers as commanders there's just less creatures around to attack planeswalkers <laughs> For sure. So that, that, yeah, there's a lot of meta implications. Again, we're going to, we actually do have something to say about that because there is some news lately. Yeah. But we're going to get to the main deck cards. So uh, do you want to talk about the first one? Yes. So the first main deck card we're going to talk about today is Grateful Apparition. This is one in a white for a 1-1 spirit with flying. And whenever it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, proliferate. Yeah. So uh, this is... Very, very similar to Thrumming Bird. It's not yeah. exactly the same because you can also uh, hit a Planeswalker and Thank get God. the trigger. But uh, it's pretty cool. What, what do you think about this card? No, yeah, I um, have run Thrumming Bird in more decks than I really should have <laughs> over the years. And sometimes it paid off and sometimes it didn't. But I think that white having this tool is awesome. And that's kind of where I sit on it. I think that this is a tool for the toolbox. There's some decks that really want this. Uh, McKay's the Lunark yeah. is one example of that yes. kind of deck. Where uh, there's just a lot of counters sitting around and uh, a lot of little little guys, little friends sitting there that get those counters. And this not only is a very good vessel for said counters, but increases that clock yeah, pretty just quickly. Pumps your whole team every turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously, proliferate has a dozens of options, so there, there's a lot you can do with it. Yeah, just in that regard, I would consider running this in planeswalker decks that don't invest heavily in mass removal yeah i know that there are some that it's like all about wrathing 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 you're never going to keep keep a creature on the board <laughs> and in that kind of situation i don't think grateful apparition is good because it's just gonna die yeah um but in the decks that aren't doing that and just want to tick up their planeswalkers then this seems pretty good mm-hmm. um, yeah it's amazing like what one extra loyalty can do for a planeswalker yeah it really is crazy it's uh it's just a shame that white isn't able to use this ability as effectively as some of the other colors oh yeah for sure like when it comes to the experience counter commanders white got the worst too <sighs> so sad yeah uh. and white never really got like a poison commander no. white doesn't 
really have a minus one minus one counter commander. Mm-hmm. So all these decks that like if this card was in black or green would love to have this kind of effect. It's just not nearly as yeah, not quite as strong. Yeah, but again, hopefully in with time, the I think that a lot of these proliferate cards are just going to get better over time, and we're, we have more to talk about. Yeah, uh, but this next card is single combat. It is a white sorcery, three white white, so CMC five. Each player chooses a creature or planeswalker they control, then sacrifices the rest. Players can't cast creature or planeswalker spells until the end of your next turn. So this, uh, okay, so some stats on this card. The uh, the closest comparison point right now is really Divine Reckoning, which is in a decent amount of decks, but this Oh, Divine Reckoning being uh, two white-white sorcery. Each player chooses a creature and destroy the rest. And then you can flash it back for seven, I think. Very good in Voltron. But this will probably see play in a similar amount of lists, I think, just because the prevention and it also is Planeswalkers. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this uh, not only hoses Planeswalkers, but protects your Planeswalker (laughs) that you might want to keep. I just think that there are better ways to do this, Mm -hmm. if that if that makes sense to everybody out there. Yeah. I, I like Cataclysm a lot more yeah. if I'm running a Voltron list. Yeah. Like the, the land destruction staple on top of it is really important. Oh, yeah. And and does basically, I mean, does the same thing as this, but better in terms of preventing your opponents from casting spells. There, there's also, uh, I think if you're in red, which sometimes you will be with these kind of Voltron decks, just Razia's Purification will just be better also. Ooh, yeah. Just because... Uh, so Razi's Purification is four red-white. Each player chooses three permanents and then sacks the rest. Mm. So that uh, I've played probably more than I should <laughs> <laughs> um, in various decks. And it is nuts. Like if you just have the best things, if you have like a Planeswalker and two artifacts that are good, like it, it's really easy to set up a board state where like your three permanents are just better. Like a Lotus Veil, a a gilded lotus and <laughs> and a creature planeswalker like that's really all you need to go crazy and cataclysm also just to read it off because i think we mentioned it a lot on the show because <laughs> we love it it's a two white white sorcery each player chooses from among permanents they control an artifact creature enchantment and land and then sacrifices the rest so uh, very similar to all these cards we've mentioned yeah uh the next card we want to talk about today is dread horde arcanist yeah this is one in a red for a 1-3 zombie wizard with trample. And whenever it attacks, you may cast, target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to Dreadhorde Arcanist's power from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that card would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So I think this guy requires you to jump through a, a bunch of hoops in order yeah. for him to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so in order for him to to do his thing, you need to have a way to give him haste and or (laughs) a way to protect him until your next turn so you can get that combat damage trigger or the attack trigger. You also need to have a high density of instants and sorceries in your deck. And then you either need an extremely low curve on those sorceries, (laughs) like average one CMC. Or uh, you need a way to buff the Arcanist's power. And there, I can't really think of a deck that has all of those things, that meets all of those Yeah, the the only things I was really thinking about... So, I mean, this is very good in Standard, I think. I think there's a really aggressive red-black deck that's going to come out in Standard. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
the only standard I really play is on Arena, so take that with a grain of salt, listeners. But um, the only decks I could think of where this guy was cool were decks where you kind of casually get the pump. So Jorkadine, mm-hmm. maybe, because he's a 4-3 instead of a 1-3. Uh, and they do, it like Jorkadine t- runs some token producers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That was something I was thinking of. I don't know. I don't think that's very good. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking maybe um, Zeta. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've got like Renegade Tactics and Crimson Wisps. Just yeah. all those random one mana cards that draw you cards that are kind of like the backbone of the deck. Mm-hmm. This lets you do it again. Yeah. So maybe maybe in that list. But other than that, there's just so few decks that I think could make use of this card. Yeah. And again, like I feel like this set more than others has given us tools. The next card we're going to talk about is one of those cards too. But these are kind of a lot of these cards. I'm just going to kind of keep in my back pocket and mm-hmm. think about later as more commanders come out or as more more tech comes out, which is interesting. I feel like we don't always get sets that do that. Mm-hmm. But this next card is awesome. <laughs> do yeah. you want to do you want to talk about it? Sure. Yeah. It is Evolution Sage. So this is two and a green for a three two Elf Druid. And whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, proliferate. Man, that, oh God. So we, I've definitely talked about, I don't know on the show, I've talked about in human meat space that I just really wanted a good green proliferate card mm-hmm. that wasn't Plague Mob Beast, which is a 4-3 for four, 4 that you can tap and sack a creature to proliferate. This, I think it's actually 5 mana. Oh, oh, even oh worse. no. But uh, this is like... This is everything I could have wanted and more. <laughs> like, it's a three mana, three two, so it's a pretty cheap. It goes in a lot of decks. And it's just a land, like a landfall trigger mm-hmm. to proliferate. That's so, oh God, it's so wonderful. And there's so many cards that, like, are little cute things that you can do with it. Obviously, like, the, the one of the big ones is, like, Fertilid. So, Fertilid, like, tutors out a land. Uh, you remove a counter from it, you get a land. You get the land, puts another counter on Fertilid, so you just have infinite rampant growths. Yeah, like so many cute little things. And oh, then God. meanwhile, like while you're getting all those lands for two mana each, you're just proliferating your other. Permanents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is like, a, yeah, it, not even assuming that that was just assuming you only have those two. Permanents. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's just it's so cool. It's so good. Uh, there's yeah. so many decks this slots into already. This is exactly like what I was talking about when we were discussing Grateful Apparition. Like green, mm-hmm. there's just so many decks that can use this. Like, it's awesome in Hapatra decks. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. get a whole bunch of Hapatra triggers at once. You shrink your opponent's dudes. In Thelen of Havenwood, you get to increase the spore counters on your guys, <laughs> pump them all up. You can, like, Green has some of the better experience commanders, oh, yeah. like, get an extra experience with Marin and Azuri is mm-hmm, a big deal. Mm-hmm. You can pump the team in Mazarek. Yep. There and of course, like with your your planeswalker decks, you can just pump them up yeah. really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these commanders involve counters, and they're green. It's awesome. I, I don't want to read off all of them because there's a lot. So if any of those sound interesting to you, uh, I would recommend looking them up when you're not driving or you're uh, you're at home safe. <laughs> 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 but def- oh god, so happy about that card, and it's an uncommon. That's freaking great. Yeah, That's and we awesome. haven't even seen probably half the proliferate yeah. cards it's so exciting to, to know that there's more coming yeah so cool so the next card is a rare this is vivian's arc bow it is a legendary artifact it is one in a green so it's a colored artifact cool it has x tap discard a card 
Look at the top X cards of your library. You may put a creature card with CMC X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This is, uh, again, this is kind of a toolbox card. I don't think it is correct to just jam this and start every turn pitching a card and paying X. Mm -hmm. I think that there are certain decks that really want to run this card and really like this effect, but... That's not every deck. I don't think this... What I'm trying to say is I don't think this is a green staple. Mm -hmm. But you had some ideas for some cool decks for this. Yeah, if you can manipulate the top card of your deck, then this gets a lot better. I'm thinking like Hua Tuo, Honored Physician, the guy who won green green for like a Mm 1-2. And you can tap, put target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you know what you're going to hit, then you can spend the exact right amount of mana. (laughs) Which is good. I mean, I've actually really liked Hua Tuo and various other decks over the years mm-hmm. so I, I think that this going into his deck is actually is cool that's actually really cute and good yeah <laughs> uh, i also there's one other deck that wants this card but like does not care about its text box at all <laughs> and that's reki the history of kamigawa mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he is two and a green for i think a one two whenever you cast a legendary spell draw a card so that deck just wants to run as many cheap legendary permanence or legendary spells as possible so just the fact that this is two mana means you get to replace like a three or four mana legendary card from the deck and that's all and recky's happy with that yeah yeah and again like this is just kind of a toolboxy card like it's just not good to whiffing is an option and whiffing is not a good thing to do but it has a lot of weird bits to it it's cheap it's an artifact it discards so I, i think over time there might be something this but right now it's it's kind of it's in a weird spot (laughs) yeah all right uh the next card is dovin's veto also known as dovin's ban yeah (laughs) why didn't they do that white and a blue for an instant this spell can't be countered counter target non-creature spell yeah what do you think about this card i think this is great i think that there's something to be said for essence scatter and like remove soul counters and there's something to be said for negates in commander Mm -hmm. obviously both types of cards are very ubiquitous Mm -hmm. (laughs) if it's not a creature it's a non-creature and this counters most things that you want to counter that's not a commander this counters board wipes this counters combo pieces this counters artifacts and the fact that it can't be countered is just awesome like yeah. This is just like a straight upgrade to a lot of counter spells that people will be in in white blue. I think. Yeah. Aside from people's commanders, like a lot of the scariest cards mm-hmm. in commanders are non creature permanents. Yeah, for sure. Ne- negates have ne- have always been very good. Yeah. I've run negate and counter squall in a lot of my decks, and I'm happy to run this in my white blue decks mm-hmm. as like a a fifth or sixth counter spell. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just it carries enough weight to be able to do that and and if you're playing in a permission heavy meta or even just a meta where people have counter spells like knowing that you can just be like no yeah is that's awesome it feels great yeah i'd honestly consider running this even if it doesn't have the this spell can't be countered oh, text. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just like extra gravy on it yeah super awesome oh this next card is great so this is a uh, gleaming overseer it is a one four zombie wizard it's one blue black so cmc three it has when Gleaming Overseer enters the battlefield a mass one. It also has zombie tokens you control have hexproof and menace. So this is, I actually really like this card. Uh, it makes a token, so it's it, 
it kind of gives you something that sticks around even if it doesn't. And it like weird pumps your zombie tokens, mm-hmm. but it's also just good in certain decks. So, I mean, specifically zombie decks yeah. and zombie token decks, zombie decks that make lots of zombie tokens. But uh, I think there's one in particular you wanted to bring up. Yeah, I have a Verena list and this seems great in Verena yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a way to get some extra bodies down before you drop her. Like Verena, I've, I've said this before, but she really cares a lot about trying to get zombies onto the battlefield on turns one, two, and three, so that when you cast her on turn four, you get a whole bunch of triggers right away. Mm-hmm. And so Gleaming Overseer makes that process a lot easier. Oh, yeah. To just, you could potentially have four guys swinging in on turn four. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, the Menace is something, too, with zombie tokens that actually helps a lot. I don't think it's something to, like, seek out, but the fact that this kind of casually just throws it in there. Yeah. Like, it gives you a body and it just kind of casually throws, yeah, you know, whatever, Menace. That's that's awesome. Like, it ends up working out because they have to spend two blockers on your, like, crappy 1-1s and 2-2s. Mm-hmm. And it's this value that, like, didn't need to be there for me to like this card. And I really, really do like... Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like the, the can't-be-counter text on Dovin's video. Yeah. It's like, I was already happy with this card, but thanks. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, of course. So this next card is... Do, do you want to read this guy? Sure. It's Neoform green blue for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast this spell sacrifice a creature search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrificed creatures converted mana cost put that card onto the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it then shuffle your library uh what are your thoughts yeah so i mean the the closest comparison is eldritch evolution Uh so nick looked up and saw that there's like around nine thousand decks on eda trek that use that card uh, I've actually been using it too, just to try it because we talked about it at an episode some weeks back, and have really liked Eldritch Evolution. <laughs> it seems bad, but if you're just getting something really busted, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But this is a lot worse uh, for a few reasons. One of them is that it has the birthing pod restriction of one greater. Yeah. So you really have to have the right sack fodder to get the right thing. I yes. think with Eldritch Evolution, it was like or less yeah it's plus two or less yeah so like let's say you sack a three drop like you rexage something and you're like okay well now i'll get a five drop or less mm-hmm. and which is that's so much nicer because you can be like oh actually you know i actually just want my oracle mold die right now like something like that some other way to get value or cards or or something you really need this you really really need a the right sack fodder and b the right target if mm-hmm. you're you don't just want to cast it for yeah value you can't just be like oh i'll figure out what i'm getting later yeah yeah just flip through my deck it's like no you need to know what you're doing yeah exactly and that kind of said it does have some interesting things just so there's some commanders that really care about that like tishana is one that we've kind of talked about because she naturally wants like a lot of creatures on the battlefield and then she transforms into crater yeah so you you do this on tishana You've draw, already drawn a bunch of cards because you had a bunch of little guys there, and then Crater Hoof kills them. So that and, and Crater Hoof is a six six. Whoa! Mm-hmm. There's not really a lot of decks that like want this. Yeah, I was thinking that like maybe one of the commanders that are just really need a particular creature and mm-hmm. are in green blue and naturally run a lot of cards that are like one CMC less than that yeah. particular creature. <laughs> so you could like that Venn diagram of all those like four things like leads to a very very small area 
And I think the one commander that fits into that overlap is Azuri Claw of Progress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I think that deck is happy running things like Llanowar Elves, just a bunch of mana dorks. And then it can trade those into Sage of Hours, which is like a crucial card for the deck. And Mm -hmm. B, like getting an additional plus one plus one counter on that right away is pretty solid. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with people that I think this card is worse than other options, but uh, it might be what you need in your deck. Mm -hmm. So uh, well, let us know, I guess. So this next card is really silly. I've been thinking about it since I saw it, and I think, I don't know where I've landed. This is Roll Reversal. So this is a three mana sorcery. It's blue, blue, red, and it says exchange control of two target permanents that share a permanent type. That's it. So it's a switcheroo, which is a five mana sorcery that does this. But I think with just creatures? Is switcheroo just creatures? Yes. The, the thing about this card is that it's the cheapest we've ever seen this effect. There's been cards over the years that do this. And it can really screw up certain strategies, primarily like strategies focused on a commander. Because mm-hmm. so, if you just steal, if you're like, here's a sapling, thanks for that. Or here's a, a, a kobold from my care keep, like, here, t- thanks for your commander. Even just like swapping two people's commanders, yeah. <laughs> like you can kind of trust them to like still want to screw the other person over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that is actually a very important point is it's, it's exchange control of two target permanents. Like it doesn't say you control or anything like that on it. So you can just like kind of screw over two people with it. So it, it definitely has more play than the old effects we've seen before like switcheroo um what's another ledgered main oh that card's really hard to spell yeah (laughs) l-e-g-e-r-d-e-m-a-i-n so that's a uh ledgered main is a blue sorcery two blue blue exchange control of target artifact or creature and another target permanent with that shares one of those types with it so it's an old card from tempest yeah so i think they it's it's actually not that uncommon to be able to hose people two different people like that oh, yeah. by swapping their stuff. It seems like it could be powerful, but just looking at like how often these cards we mentioned today get played, like how many switcheroos or ledger mains are in commander decks, the number is really, really small. They hardly see any play. And and that's yeah. that's a rule of thumb I wouldn't use a hundred percent of the time. But yeah. for cards that like I don't personally have a lot of experience with, I think it's a fair heuristic. Yeah. So I don't know if this card is going to catch on, especially since its color identity is a little bit more restrictive than the similar options and, we've yeah, seen in the and, past. And its cost, like blue, blue, red, yeah. is pretty steep. But I, I I think I'm more interested in this card just because it's so cheap. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that plays out. Only got a few more. We're at the lands now. So Karn's Bastion, it is a land. It taps for a colorless, and it has four tap proliferate. Yes. <laughs> this card is awesome. This is the best. This is exactly what we were hoping to see out of this set. Just like good proliferate engine. Yeah, that doesn't really cost you a card slot. Yeah. <laughs> like last time we talked about how we just wanted to see staple effects with proliferate attached at like a decent rate. It's just because we want to be able to run proliferate in a way that doesn't really take away from our main deck slots. Oh, yeah. And having a land that, like, well, I probably want mana for stuff anyway. Yeah, and I, I th- this is kind of a side thing about this card, but I love that this card isn't super good in, like, Super Friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, a Traxa or Five Color Super Friends, like, really wants their mana base to be, like, solid. Perfect. Just perfect. And the fact that this is a colorless land is like, yes, like this is not for you. 
<laughs> like you already got your fun like let all these other decks have fun with this so this is great one to three color decks that want to proliferate this is it's just great in like charge counter plus one plus one counter minus one minus one counter experience counter commanders like it's it's just wonderful it's yeah. so great slots into so many decks this is an awesome tool and i uh man just want to see more cards like it mm-hmm yeah, and the last card, I think, is... Oh, it's not that good. It's just kind of cute. It is very cute. I do really, really... The internet kind of really liked this card, too. So this is Mobilized District. Do you want to read it off? Sure. It's a land. It taps for one colorless mana. And you can pay four to make it a 3-3 three, three citizen creature with vigilance until end of turn. It's still a land. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature and planeswalker you control. And then the flavor text is, sometimes the strongest weapon you can hold in your hand is another hand. Oh. Oh. Yeah, the art is uh, Ravnikans joining together in a, what is it, Hands Across America? They're, well, they're uh, <laughs> lending power to the spirit bomb. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, Goku. Uh, He's here. <laughs> Spoiler. So uh, I've got a, a pet Depala list that runs <laughs> a ton of board wipes and then primarily uses man lands and like <laughs> man rocks to crew your vehicles so that you can just constantly wipe the board and then just <laughs> an army arises out of nowhere. <laughs> it's not a super competitive list, but it's a, it's a cute one. And this card isn't uh, super onerous to run in that deck. Yeah. I think that there's an interesting thing when you get colorless man lands, because there are some decks that want that, so I think it, it'll be interesting to see what decks want this over time, uh, what decks will support this. I think that, obviously, if you have your commander out and this costs three to activate, that's a lot better. But I don't know. Again, it's like another weird tool that we were just handed. That like I didn't ask for this, but yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll use this one day. All right. We're down to that part in the episode where we can talk about all the things we've cryptically hinted at before. <laughs> just a couple of days ago, Sheldon released a new article on Star City Games. And he mentioned that he, well, the, the rules committee has no plans to allow planeswalkers as commanders, even for like a trial period following War of the Spark. There was a, a lot of buzz on in the, the magic webosphere yeah, about hoping that they'd kind of do something similar to what they did for Unstable, mm-hmm. where just allowing a brief demarcated like, period where yeah. you get to do this fun thing that everyone wants to do and unfortunately they said no yeah they didn't just say no they said no with really terrible reasons and i i, I feel comfortable saying that because mm-hmm. i think they said a few things i'm just gonna kind of list them out um because obviously they they saw on social media they probably people in the cag probably brought this up that people wanted this kind of trial period, like a month after mm-hmm. the set comes out, where you use these new planeswalkers as commanders, see how it works. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they mentioned was like administrative challenges, people understanding that this is just a trial thing. One of the things they brought up was there isn't like a really clearly demarcated set of cards. Like Silver Border is like obviously Silver Bordered, but these are normal magic cards, so that inherently has like a difference like people wouldn't understand yeah like you're just using them differently yeah and and another reason was that they were worried people would think that this was going to be permanent Mm -hmm. which is really buck wild yeah that's really insane because the whole point of a trial period is to get data yeah so that one really like blew my mind 
like even if you have no intention of doing it in the future, regardless of what the data says, like if you communicate it clearly enough, this is a trial period. It's going to end in one month. If you don't want to participate, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Like appropriately communicating that will, I think players are going to understand that if the yeah. messaging is clear. Yeah. And if it's a if it's an understandable message, for one month, planeswalkers can be in your command slot. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a simple message, and I don't think players are going to mess that up. No, I, I don't think so either. And and kind of in that point there, like another point is we'd have to ban a bunch of these commander, these planeswalkers as commanders. And I, I a don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think most planeswalkers, if they were commanders, would be really boring. Like yeah. the decks would be really boring. I do think they they brought this up that like the fact that they're not creatures means games would slow down. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I feel like that's true, but we don't actually have data to test that. Yeah, which is what this would have done mm-hmm. would give us data like that. And and to get back to the banning, I really don't think it's that complicated to be like, okay, well, Ugin's banned, uh, Mono Black Swarm is banned. Yeah, like I think people would understand that. If you, I, I don't think you need to ban that many commi- of these planeswalkers at, at all mm-hmm. <laughs> to have a trial period like this. But they do have a really bad track record. Just looking back at the. Un, uh, unstable ban list yeah <laughs> that was obviously not very well thought out so yeah they uh did not and they didn't end up banning nerf war i think they yes. kind of just like forgot about it like they didn't do an extensive enough search yeah, on really. what's what's silver bordered and so like for a week or however long it took them to address it you could just fucking blast your opponent's ten thousand dollar deck <laughs> with your nerf blaster <laughs> <laughs> so t- i i really wish i could have seen this i saw youtube videos of this <laughs> but i never saw this in person because my friends are nice <laughs> like, like what the- i don't know and it also sucks like i want one of the reasons i wanted to do that is like uh, not another aether vortex is one of my favorite uncards mm-hmm. and i was like oh cool i get to play with this card finally and that was like the first card they mentioned is like banned so not another aether vortex is a silver bordered enchantment that uh you reveal the top card of your library and it counts as on the battlefield super goofy like doesn't work in rules at all very confusing very confusing also your stuff has haste it's just it makes a lot of really weird complicated board states you can do a bunch of goofy stuff with it uh, so i don't know they I'm I'm getting all worked up just to say like this is a really weird decision, really good track record of making really weird decisions, and I think that this is actually just not good. I think that we we could have benefited more even just saying like oh hey no this is great or oh no 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 that's totally terrible mm-hmm. for like this one month trial period that we don't get to say now. Yeah, what I was really hoping for when they announced the commander advisory group is that the format would shift more towards experimentation and data driven decision making. And this is the perfect opportunity for it. And yeah. they are blowing it yeah. so hard. This, like, everyone wants this thing. Yeah. Everyone, un- I think everyone could understand the idea that we're doing this for one month and then we're going to send out some surveys and you tell us, like, hey, which of How these, did it go? yeah, which of these planeswalkers were problematic? How did it, like, did it make the games worse? And in what ways? Mm-hmm. Was this ban list we proposed adequate? Was it not? Is this something you want to see going forward? Like, oh, yeah. any other comments? Like, there's so many opportunities to, to just get away from the theory crafting and like we would have to ban so many cards and like well you could have a million people 
tell you what need, needs to be banned and what didn't. Yeah, yeah, and that's the whole point of the trial period. So I just really think they're blowing it, and I think that they could, like... My personal opinion is that I, I don't care if Planeswalkers are commanders. I think that if they really wanted... Because I think the rules committee in particular is very, very adamant that they hate the idea of Planeswalkers as commanders. Mm-hmm. Why not get data backing that up? Like, are are you so afraid that this will be okay yeah. and you'll be like oh i guess it doesn't hurt the format and then your opinion is wrong or is it something else like what what why why would this hurt at all exactly if you are so confident that you are right then there is zero downside to like pr- getting the what you need to shut everyone up forever yeah 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 because like you, you have ten thousand people agreeing with you if this experiment works out the way you think it will yeah and and i I just don't understand that because i I do think that like games would slow down, the meta would have to change. I don't think we have all the tools to handle like planeswalkers as commanders. I don't think it'd be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. I think I'd just learn to live with it or whatever, but like why not see why not see yeah and and I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy in support of Planeswalkers as commanders. There's yeah. nobody who I'm like really looking to, I want to build that deck yeah. so bad. <laughs> but like my ethos has always been about maximizing the number of viable decks in the format because yeah. I think that's really important for sustaining it in, over the long term. And the health, yeah, just the health of the format. Yeah. And if you inject, you know, a hundred Planeswalkers or however many there are, as potential commanders that will probably improve the format's diversity, especially mm-hmm. like these new ones that we're seeing in oh, yeah. War of the Spark that all feel very different and a lot of them give you unique ways to build your deck. Yeah, for sure. There's there's no existing stand-in for Kiora. There's no existing stand-in for this Vraska Death Touch tribal. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the Soren that we talked about. Like, there's yeah. a ton of these guys who, like, would actually, like, oh, that's actually a cool deck. And yeah. Like, this is the first time we've had Planeswalkers where I've said that. <laughs> Ex- exactly. Like, I have, I've been talking about, like, a black-white CMC matters or cmc reanimation commander for like a year now Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. I mean it's if you've been listening to the podcast consistently i've brought this up a couple times (laughs) and if that comes in the form of a soren planeswalker sure i'll take it yeah yeah, that'll be a full deck yeah awesome so it's just weird uh i mean let us know your thoughts like uh you can message us and and kind of let us know how you feel about it too but it's a I don't know. That's disappointing. Yeah. Um, do you want to do a uh, Patreon plug? And then do you want to thank the patrons? Well, first I want to uh, just answer a couple questions oh, that cool. the, our Patreon patrons generated. So let's see. What potential commanders do you see as hits and misses out of War of the Spark? So we haven't uh, given like a, a thumbs up, thumbs down rating. So let's... You want to just run through these really quickly? So there have been eight legendary creatures spoiled for this set so far. And we'll just go through them one by one. So uh, Tomic, Distinguished Advocate, hit or miss? Uh, miss. Miss. For I sure. agree. <laughs> All right. Fibblethip, The Lost, hit or miss? Oh, man. I think I'm going to get pushback for this. I think this is a miss. I I also think it's a miss in the sense that it doesn't really add anything to the format. Yeah, I'm very happy to see Fibbletip. I'm I'm 
actually very happy to see that it's a cryptic card mm-hmm. and like very weird but i don't actually i don't think it adds anything to the format yeah i mean i think it's cool for the people who are fans of him that just want to build a deck yeah. around their this character yeah for sure uh massacre girl hit or miss i i would say hit i would say it's like a double <laughs> <laughs> like not quite a home run but I, i'm happy to see this character and i think the deck will play like fun mono black decks yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a go with a miss. A miss. I think the ETBs are just. We've talked about that all the time. Just. Yeah, <sighs> I don't love ETB commanders just because like it's it can be tricky to build around them, and even when you are building around them, it's the same cards every single time. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred percent true. So and, and also there's just a million flavors of mono black kill all your stuff and they all taste the same they <laughs> they really do Franco, tin street kingpin yes i actually i think this is a hit i think this is good i think so too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think it's a uh, another take on mono red goblin tokens that's just a bit more fair than the first Krenko. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure uh neheb dread horde champion definitely a hit like this is that's a full-on homer <laughs> yeah uh, Mono Red gets some more cool combo commanders into Thank it. You. Thank you. Mowu, loyal companion. Uh, as much as I love Mowu and Jang, I I don't I think this is a miss. I think that uh, it, it's cool that it's an an uncommon legend in a set that isn't really doing that. Mm-hmm. I hope they keep doing that because we're that just means we're just gonna have more cards for commander. But I think that this in particular is is, is a miss. I just don't think it adds anything. Yeah, I know he's gonna beat my ass with his huge muscles for saying this <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i also agree i think he's a miss i think voltron new voltron commanders are not what get me out of bed in the morning yep for sure all right uh tulsimir friend to wolves definitely a hit i, I think 100 percent. i'm gonna say it's a hit too it's uh, a new archetype that did not previously exist and uh, it seems like it could be uh, a fun deck to play with yeah it seems it seems both good and fun which is cool yeah Last one is Storev Devkarin Lich. Uh, I am tentatively saying a hit. I'm going to go with hit. I think that if people just build it as recurring creatures, then that's, that's just whatever. duplicative of what we already have. Yeah. But I think people are really going to focus on that Planeswalker part, and I think that deck is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would do too. There's not really a good way to do that other than reanimating your like eternal witness to reanimate your <laughs> planeswalker <laughs> so no you definitely um yeah and i think we have a few more coming over time maybe so yeah. we'll have a, a little bit more legendary creatures to talk about but i yeah. think that's mostly it for this set i think there there's um it almost seems like there's a like potentially a cycle going on mm-hmm. of just characters from Ravnica, like Fibblethip, Massacre Girl, Krenko are all pretty well known. Yeah. So maybe we'll see like a mono green rare legendary creature. Yeah. That's uh, I'm hoping we'll see like a, a rare legend in mono green. And I'm hoping we see some more of the like guild ones. Cause right now we just have green, white and green, black. Yeah, it would be interesting if we got a full cycle of guild legends because there's opportunities for other characters they can hit upon. Although, honestly, I was really expecting Massacre Girl to be the... Black-red? Like, yeah. No, yeah, that actually... I guess, actually, I might... Now that you're saying that and thinking about it like that, uh, it's upsetting. 
<laughs> like, why isn't she in the Rakdos guild that she is in? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't actually think about that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, to be fair, Tomek is an advocate, which strongly suggests he should be in Orzov, and yet... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know uh, they said that he is the apprentice of Tesa. Oh. So... Okay. I, I don't know why he's so boring, if, if that's true. Yeah. So, uh... Thank you all for listening. And before we go, just want to give a thank you to our Patreon patrons. Thank you to Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, and Elvis. You guys rock. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. 